How many are good? You're good? Good, good, good. Good to see you. Good to be a part of the plan of God, isn't it? Good to be in the family of God. Good to be brothers and sisters of the Lord. We enjoyed coffee, and once we got figured out where we were supposed to go yesterday with the guys, and uh, we didn't announce where we're going next week, so well, that's just to be announced. The guys will figure it out. So. I was at one place because it was announced that it was supposed to be at one place, but then someone else went to another place, and I ended up going to that place. But what was really awkward was that I had to take my stuff into another place. That's not good when you come in with your own coffee to a different store. A little awkward, a little awkward. I'll try to make it up somehow to that other place. So, You know, it's just good to be uh, among people who, who, who live uh, with their, basically with their feet on the ground. Uh, how many know that this life isn't always easy? Right, we know that. We know that this sometimes there's unexpected things, there's just things that come along. But all in all, the Lord's promised us to be with us. Uh, and if we boil it all down, I've entitled this message, You Can't Take It With You. We're going to talk a little bit about just the basics of life. We're going to talk a little bit about what's really important, what's just, you know, what's all said and done, what's, what's going to last forever, what's, what, what should we be working toward, what should be our goal, you know, what's, uh, what, where should we be putting our energy. How many know that this life is soon be over? We know that. And it quickly passes through. But, uh, I thought I'd get us going by um, asking Austin if he could try to put together a picture. And you've heard this saying, there's no hearses or no U-Hauls behind hearses. And he put this together. I don't know how he did it. And he spliced it up. He got it to work. He's amazing when it comes to technology. But you get the idea. This is... This is life. We come into this world, we're going to look at the First Timothy chapter 6 here in a bit. We come into this world without nothing. We're not taking anything with us, right? Just, we leave this place. Uh, only our spirit goes back to be with him. So whatever we have, it's, it's just stuff. It's okay to have stuff. I would say something like this, don't let stuff have you. So some of, us, some of us are trying to clean house, trying to clean closets. The other week we had Teen Challenge here, helped us clean out some of the closets. I drove some stuff home, and then I did away with it somehow there, and I still have more stuff. Now I've got more stuff at my house to deal with. And so it's stuff, stuff, stuff. It's all, it's all temporal. It's not going to last forever. It's, not, it's stuff that we work hard for. Maybe we need it. Maybe we thought we needed it when we needed it. I don't know. But ultimately, we only need a few things. Ultimately, as Jesus talked about. I'm going to read the text now. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, beginning there. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. There's that great word. How many like the word contentment? Oh boy. Contentment is a good thing. Easier said than done sometimes. We have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. We saw the picture. But those who want to get rich, notice how it's worded, those who want to get rich, 
fall into temptation and a snare and a many food. I, I, don't, I would say that most people are not really looking to get rich, they're just looking to make a living. Hello? Most people, most people. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and snare. In other words, if we make that our main thing, wanting to get rich, we set ourselves up for temptation. We set ourselves up for the snare of the enemy. If we make money the only thing, if we make that the main thing, we set ourselves up for the snare of the enemy. And many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. Notice the verse, next verse, verse 10. For the love of money, verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. Some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith. Here's the problem. When we long for something that is not of God, we hinder the work of the Holy Spirit. When we place something that is, isn't planned from God, when we put something, anything, any materi- anything materially before God, it becomes a snare to us, it can become a distraction to us, And the problem here is if we wander from the faith. The problem is not having money. The problem is having the attitude that money is everything. That's the problem. Now, I all like to have a little money. We need a little money to live, right? We need to pay our bills. God is not against that. God is not against money. God is against the heart toward the love of it. When it becomes more important than anything else, that's the problem. And so we read these verses, some have wandered away from the faith. What a tragedy. And pierced themselves with many a pang. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness. Faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. This is really a, a list of the fruits, some of the fruits of the Spirit. But flee from these things, you man of God. Why is Paul talking this way? Why is Paul saying to Timothy, you man of God? What is a man of God or a woman of God? A man or a woman of God is one who pursues the things of God. A man or a woman who pursues God is a godly woman, a, a godly man. And we pursue, we're more interested in about what God has in mind than what we, what we want to do. We become more interested in the things that God cares about rather than the things that we want. To be mission-minded. To be looking out for the cares of others more than even our own. That's that's a godly person. Fight the good fight of faith. Sometimes our faith is tested very much. Sometimes our faith is very tested. You've got to fight for your faith. The devil wants to steal your faith. The devil wants you to be discouraged. He wants to get you to think there's no God, there's no heaven, there's no nothing after death. And that's a lie. What God is teaching us today is that, wait a minute, when Paul wrote to Timothy as a young man in the ministry, 
Paul, first of all, had mentored Timothy, had taken him in, so to speak, was like a father. Image to him was like a spiritual father to Timothy. Timothy had grown up with a grandmother and a mother that knew God. He had learned the scriptures early in his youth. And we read this in portions of, of, of another letter, 2 Timothy uh, 3, 16 and 17, I believe it is. I'll look at, I'm just, I'm just going to check out this verse. This is in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, verse 14. You, however, continue in the things you've learned. It's Paul's talking to Timothy. Continue in the things you have learned and becoming convinced of knowing that from you have, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings. It's something about when children are able to receive scripture in their youth. Something, something about children being able to retain and me- how many know children have, are e- it's easier for them to memorize than adults? Yeah. It's a good thing. So what Paul is saying, he's reminding Timothy, the things that you have learned when you were young, don't let anyone take that away from you. Stay to the faith. He then he goes on to say, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable. Whenever you read, whenever you hear the word of God, it is profitable for us for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. I'll tell you what, there's many days when I don't feel adequate. We don't feel adequate. We're not up for it. What do we do? We have to transfer those inadequacies onto the Lord himself. In other words, it's not going to be our strength that's going to carry us through this life. It's going to be the strength of the Lord. He is the shepherd that even when, as we picture, the, the, the psalmist talked about, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. Why? Because God will go with his people. God is there. He doesn't leave us. He's the shepherd that cared about us. This life is so temporal. If you think about it, how quickly have the last 10 years gone by? Think about that just for a moment. What has happened even in the last five years? I can't remember. It's gone by so quickly, I'd have to really sit down and really think hard. What has happened? Well, I see my children growing up. I see them becoming more mature. That's a good thing. I see them going on with their lives. But I keep thinking, well, oh, I guess that means I'm getting older. Right? You ever woke up something? You think, well, I can't be this. How did I get to be this old? I mean, how did I get to be this young? You know, we say, how, how young are you? You know, it goes by so quickly. And so what I'm saying, I believe that God's word is saying, don't get so wrapped up in this life alone. You, you, can, you can have things, you, could, you, could, you need to do your best with what you have, but listen, someday that's gonna, not going to mean anything. Stop. The only thing that's going to mean anything is your family, 
your loved ones. That's what's going to mean. That's what you're going to pass on. That faith that you live, that's the only thing that you can pass on. And so we, I'm skipping ahead to my end of my message, but really it comes down to this. Nothing we can take to heaven except influencing someone else so that they can, they too, they too, we want our family to be in heaven. Amen? We want everyone that we love. We want, we want to influence people so they make the choice, that they can make a choice to Jesus Christ so that they can be ready for heaven. Now, Paul was talking in, in another place in the book of Philippians 2, verse 20. There was a unique relationship that Paul had with Timothy. It was like Paul was, he was saying in this verse, there was no one else of kindred spirit. That word kindred has a unique, kind of a uniqueness to it, a kindred spirit. There was a like-mindedness. There was a kindred spirit. There are some people in the body of Christ that you feel connected more than others. There are some men that connect with other men and women with other women, vice versa, that you feel you're on the same page. You have a lot of things in common. And it's almost like you grew up maybe doing similar things. Maybe you worked similar jobs. And all of a sudden, wow, it all becomes a connection. They, they understand. They, they, they're, they're like a kindred, kindredness. And we get excited about being able to spend life together with those kinds of people. They're the kind of people that encourage you because they're doing it, because they're keeping the faith, in spite of what may be hitting them in this life. In verse 22, we read on. Verse 22, there it is. But you know of his proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving us. What was it about Timothy? That What is Paul saying? Timothy was a servant. Timothy had the qualities of a leader, a serving leader. One that was able to understand the people. One that was able to empathize. Not just sympathize, but empathize. Feel with the pain even when people are going through things. That doesn't mean they always have all the answers, but they understand what, to a degree, they understand people. They're people persons. The basics are really simple, aren't they? Verse 6, we'll go back to the text. Godliness actually is a means of great gain. And then in verse 7, we have brought nothing into the world so we can, we, we, we not taken anything out of here. Verse 8, if we have food and cover, food and cover. Basic, isn't it? Simple, isn't it? Simple. We have food. We have shelter. Everything else is a bonus, right? We like stuff. 
We like stuff. How many like nice things? It's okay. It's not that you're, you're, you know, it's not, that, that isn't bad. That's nothing bad about that. It's that we know that this stuff is just stuff. How many know when you put something in a box that it's getting close to death, that stuff, okay? Because chances are you'll forget it's there. There's a chance that you might forget you have stuff in a box, in a closet. And so what's really kind of tragic is we can't find it, if you're like me, like a certain tool, and so you go buy another one. And then if you're like me, then you find it after you bought another one. Because this is life, right? <laughs> I mean, I had this uh, certain tool, and I, you know, maybe it was, a, you know, I'm really good at losing small drill bits. I'm not placing them. I, the last set, I, I just said, I'm going to put them in my pocket. Okay? We know how long that's going to last. Maybe a few days, weeks, two. But all of a sudden, I'm, I'm going to, from there, I'm going to say, I'm going to just put them in this drawer amongst other stuff. How many have a drawer that's full of stuff? Ah, good. I, I relate to that. We have a junk drawer. Yeah. I mean, everything extra gets tossed into the junk drawer. I'm not the greatest at organizing. I do, I do my little cleanups at times. I have to work at it. But it just shows me how much a guy can accumulate over the years. Unbelievable stuff. And then the Bible is saying we only need really food and shelter. Well, he's really narrowing it down. He's not saying you can't have other stuff, but he says even if you only have food and clothing or shelter, with that alone, with God, you can be content. Isn't that interesting? Because People who do, who do not have God, right? Tendency is to accumulate and try to fill the void. And it's a trap. And people that, that even have a lot of stuff without God are, are probably a lot less ha unhappy. They're not as happy as you'd think they would be. Because they've allowed the stuff to think that that'll make them happy. It's only temporal. And the stuff that I buy today that's new won't be so new a couple years down the road. And so what I'm saying, when I put it in the box, and I put it some way, by the time it gets to the shed outside, it's really getting close to death. It's getting close to the dumpster now, right? It's getting close to the dumpster. And now, I'm telling my wife, if the mouse moves in the box, no problem, throw it away. Instant liquidation. Don't want to deal with it, the mouse got in there, throw it away, right? So, this is the world we live in. We live in a beautiful community. We see a lot of nice homes. We see some average homes. 
But really what it all boils down to is what is it that we should be excited about? What is it that we really want in this life? And I would dare say it is your family, it is your friends, it is the people, your neighbors that you care about. You care about their soul. You care about their eternity, where they're going to spend all eternity. So, so Paul is reminding Timothy, don't allow the world to snare you or to distract you or to get caught up. And this is what you need to have hap happiness. And Jesus so, so, so wonderfully spoke about in Matthew's Gospel chapter 6, verse 25, he says these words, For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or your body as to what you will put on, it is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing. How many like that verse? How many challenged by that verse? Instead, Matthew 6.33, Jesus went on to say this, seek first his kingdom and righteousness. What he's really talking about is priority. If we will seek God first, then we will be able to understand, then we will be able to have his wisdom and his perspective on what we really need in this life. And all of a sudden, when you have more of God, you understand all of a sudden, I don't really need a lot of things. I can be happier with just a few things. Now, granted, I know there's some things that are sacred to us. I mean, this was Grandma's rocking chair that she rocked her children in. And, you know, we want to preserve it. And there are things like that that come along. They're sentimental. But even those things won't last when it comes to all eternity. What am I saying? What is God saying to us? Let's pursue the things that are important. Let's place our energy. Let's focus on what is coming yet to come. Let's love God. Let's be a man of God. Verse 11 in the text says this. Let's pursue righteousness. Let's stand for that which is righteous, godly, faith, love. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us. Allow the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23 talks about the very list the fruit of the Spirit is kindness, goodness, love, peace. You can't buy peace. You can't buy joy. That comes from God. That comes from knowing God. That comes from touching someone else and seeing, having the joy to give and encourage someone else. Being patient. Oh, how the Lord showed patience when he was on this earth so often. Oh, ye little faith, he'd say. 
Oh, you guys are slow to learning. And he'd go through the lesson again. And he'd explain the parable again. And God is patient with us and long-suffering. And he wants us to be patient with people in our lives. Yet that's one of the, my, my things. Lord, help me to be patient, but help me to have patience now. You know, it's like, don't pray for patience. I'm just warning you. When you pray for patience, he'll test you. Come on, he'll test you. So you can get more patience. I can't remember where I was, what I was doing, but I thought I was a patient man till something. I can't remember exactly. It might have been a person on the job and something. The wall might have blew out, you know, something like that. Something like crazy. The cracks might have showed up in the floor. Life here is unexpected. And that's why James says, so well, if the Lord wills, if it's God's will, we'll be there God willing. We'll make it. We'll make a profit. The Lord willing. And so by faith, the farmer goes out, he plants a seed, he, he does his stuff, he tills the ground, he prepares the soil, but only God can make the seed grow. Right? And only God can change the heart. And only God can bring transformation. And only God can bring healing when there needs to be healing. And God is interested in your heart today. As the Proverbs speaks it so well, Proverbs 4.23, it's almost like a garden thing. Watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flow the springs of life. I have to examine myself. Paul said to the church of Corinth, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Well, that just suggests to me that I sometimes can not be in the faith as much as I ought to be. That my faith may grow weak, but Lord, help me. Even in those times, God doesn't bail on us, God doesn't give up on us, but God is patient with us, and he wants us to reach that place where he is he's taking us to where you're completely, you're in a place where it's but God. It's no more about what I'm going to do to help the circumstance necessarily. It's more about what what is God going to do now? What is he going? We're looking to you. Our eyes are on you. Like the ancient battle of Jehoshaphat. Remember that story? He, he's just in a panic. This, this king is just like, we're, we're going to die. 
we don't, if God doesn't help us, we're, we're outnumbered. And finally, the prof, a prophet, one who spoke for God, says, wait, this is what you need to do. The battle belongs to the Lord. And he rallied and encouraged the people. Here's what, you, here's what God told them to do. Stand and praise me. Just give me praise. Bring the orchestra in front, put the orchestra in front of the army. Let them be stationed there. Let them begin to praise the Lord. And guess what happened? You know what happened? The Lord fought the battles. The Lord annihilated the enemy. Sometimes I, I have to keep priming the pump. Remember I talked about that, that old pitcher pump. You got to pour a little in. You got to pour a little in. You got to keep a little on the side to prime the pump. And once that primes, it gets a little water flowing. All of a sudden, you begin to praise the Lord and maybe you mutter a few words. And your mood is kind of like, okay, I know you're there, Lord, but I, I, I don't feel like it. But I'll praise you anyway. Pretty soon you. You start pushing through that, and all of a sudden it starts to flow. What is that all about? That's God showing up in the midst of your circumstances. He's still there, and he wants to show to you that he, he himself is really all you need. That's what he's saying to us. He, I am going to take care of you no matter what you are facing right today. I am going to take care. I am. I am. And whatever you think is impossible, leave it to me. And so we get to our, by the way, the first point was the basics. The second point was being a man of God or a woman of God. And the third is the real, real riches, the real, the real thing that is important. When's the last time you read from Ecclesiastes? I love the, the little letter. It can be a little negative, which kind of trips me a little bit. Um, I, I get a little chuckle, actually, just to... Uh, how many notes of times where people are tend to be negative? We, don't, we aren't pointing a finger. I mean, I have to fight it myself. My wife reminds me. Uh, she does it in a good way, though. And um, Solomon, if if you if you only read Ecclesiastes in the Bible, you might think, "Wow, what's the use?" Really, but he sizes it all up. It's like. Is there, is there any joy in the camp? You know? Now here's what he says in the fifth chapter about money, verse 10. He who loves money will not be satisfied. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that true? He who loves money, or he who loves abundance with it, income, is too this too is vanity. Here's a good one, the next verse. 
when good things increase, those who consume them increase. Well, that's like saying the more you make, the more you spend. Is that, is that kind of true? In other words, like you're saying, when you have a lot of money, you have a lot of friends. Right? You may. Now here's what he says about the working man. The common, ordinary working man. The sleep of the working man is pleasant. Whether he eats little or much. But the full stomach of the rich man does not allow him. What's the problem here? The problem with the rich is not the riches. It's the, pro- the problem is the attitude toward the riches. The rich man that he's talking has an attitude. I want to get rich, and that's it. That's going to be my God. That's going to be my security. That's going to be my... My anchor. My source. My stash. It's okay to save. I'm not against saving. It's a good thing. But even that can be taken. But we have to we have to have more than that, which is God Himself. So what is what's really good about the verse 12 is they could be a man who just simply works, makes his living, and is happy as a lark. He's satisfied. Why? Because he's learned that this is what God has given him. These are the gifts. These are, this is the life that God has called them to be and to come to. There's the other one in verse 13. There's the grievous evil which I've seen under the sun. Riches being hoarded by their owners to, to his hurt. You remember the story that Jesus talked about. The man who said, I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to store up. You know, what was the problem with that? Not against saving. But the problem is when, when we, re, we, we use that as a security more than God. Right? Then we take our eyes off God. That's a snare. That can be. So what is he saying? Guard your heart. Keep check, check, check in. Make sure that your focus, your real, your real reason for what you do, the real reason God is giving you blessings is that you can bless someone else. That's when life really takes on fun. Listen, happy people are, happiest people are giving people. Have you noticed that? Generous people are the happier people. Because they learn the joy of giving. What did Paul say? Acts 20, verse 35. Paul was a working man. Paul was a, a minister as, as well as he had a trade that he helped support his ministry, his livelihood. He didn't always take pay. He had the privilege to do that. But he liked to go in and not be a burden not, and train up the church. But in Acts 20, verse 35, he'll quote from Jesus' word, but he starts out, in everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. Notice how he turns the attention. 
because he's working hard, he has extra to help those who are in need. That he draws now, remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Just the opposite of what the world says, right? The world says, Get, every you, get everything you can. Keep it for yourself. God is saying, give it away. Harry and I had a lot of fun one year. We, were, um, we wanted to bless somebody for Christmas. Another pastor and his wife. And uh, we were at our minister's thing, and you know you have to you have to pay a little bit to get there. It was so fun. We watched them as they got to the counter, and they, wow, your bill's paid. And we were just watching like little mice, you know. It was just so fun. And here's my challenge. I I want to find somebody this year who. Who can just not, you know, just no one needs to know. I want to bless somebody. And wouldn't it be great somehow as a church if we could bless somebody or some family or need somewhere just because that's what we need to do? Because it's God's kingdom, it's about who we can touch. Who we can reach out to. That's the real riches. That's the real purpose for why God gives to us more than we have is so that it would flow out in where needs are. And our real riches is not what we're going to store up on this land, this earth, right? It's what's in heaven. So as we store up in heaven, that is the surest. And I would say this jokingly. Someone who volunteers to do something for the Lord, I'll jokingly say, your reward is in heaven. You know, the pay is out of this world. You get it? Kind of. What I'm saying is that God is keeping track. God is going to reward people who are generous, who are faithful, who trusted God, even when it seemed impossible or ridiculous, unattainable. Could we be the little church that does big things? think we can. So would you pray with me about a family or a person that just needs some encouragement in a way that would give them a boost, a financial need. Maybe it's just in a way of saying, we're thinking about you. We're encouraging you. We're praying for you. There are people that are 
going through health things. There are people that are going through stuff that is deep. Only God knows the heart. And we want to be the church. We want to be the people of God that are genuine, that are real, that look over and see the person next to them. They're too trying to run the race. They too have also made a step and they're in, but we need to encourage each other. And we we see as Paul begins to wind this letter down, in verse 17, as I conclude with this, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to, to, do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. We can't take it with us. We can give it away to someone else. We can be the people that are thinking about the future, the real world, the real life to come that is beyond this place. Right now we see it a mere dimly, don't we? We see almost like a peephole, a little bit of what's to come. But it's still enough to keep believing, to keep trusting, 